Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Monocle on Design, a show where we unpack everything from fashion and craft to entrepreneurship. I'm Nick Manise. To mark Monocle on Design's partnership with the Copenhagen International Fashion Fair, we're taking a look at how one of Europe's most inspirational trade platforms supports best-in-class product from Scandinavia and beyond, with a commitment to designing sustainably. To find out more, Monocle's fashion editor, Natalie Theodosi, sat down with Sophie Dolver, director of the Copenhagen International Fashion Fair, along with Neil Luti, chief creative officer of fashion and sports brand Jay Lindenberg, and Chris Fisher, senior buyer of luxury fashion brand Browns. Sophie, welcome back to the show. In the first episode, you gave us really interesting insights about SIF and what you're doing as a matchmaker in in some way between brands and retailers as well as press. But I'd love to delve a little bit further now and, and get some insights from you about what's happening in the market. You're talking to the brands that are coming to the show. You're talking to the buyers that are visiting you. Tell us what is happening. How is the market evolving in 2024 and what are some of the things to look out for? Where our focus is, especially now, is on the emerging talents because it's a really tough situation to be a fresh new brand trying to to grow in this market. And that's also why, as we also spoke about in the last episode, that we think it's a part of our responsibility. And that's that's why we will support them in the shows for the upcoming Fashion Week, where we are supporting the show so they can still be on the schedule and hopefully gain a lot of awareness to support the, the talents that will hopefully grow someday to be a, a bigger brand, but also to actually try and help and invest even further in our hospitality program that consists on buyers and press to make sure that the buyers from the retailers where maybe they are also a bit under pressure financially can, can come because we will then host them with uh, flights and hotels. I know that you also have really exciting plans with Jay Lindbergh and uh, Neil, the chief creative officer, will be joining us in a minute. But tell me from your perspective, why is that a brand that we should be keeping an eye on? And what are you planning for this upcoming fall 2024 edition for SIF with them? I think uh, Neil can, of course, explain much better. But I think for us, it was a really interesting brand to have as part of this episode, because what we're seeing with Jay Lindbergh is that they are actually as we see it going a bit against the stream with the others, actually opening up a big store, reinventing themselves. So I think they're getting a lot of attention coming with like gorgeous collections. And instead of just going cheaper, they are actually putting more quality and, and doing something about the, the price in a different way than a lot of the others. So I think that's a very interesting case. Of course, we have a very special spot for them here at at SIF, and it's one of the brands that we're really highlighting for the buyers and, and press. But I think, again, Neil can do a much better job at explaining what the brand is is doing right now. It sounds really exciting. And, and we're very happy to have Neil Luti, Chief Creative Officer of Jay Lindbergh, join us and tell us more about the plans that you have. Neil, welcome. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks. Great to be here. Tell us a little bit about what's coming up for 2024 and, and what you have been working on with SIF for this upcoming Copenhagen Fashion Week. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the first time we've done Copenhagen Fashion Week for a while, actually. I think 2016 was our last appearance. We really want to kind of reposition the brand, just like Sophie's saying, take it to a to a higher kind of taste level and a higher kind of price point. But it, this this takes time, you know, and I think it's like something that doesn't happen overnight and it's a slow build. And of course, with the economic situation, things get more tricky but it's really it's really for me like staying the course you know we've, we've set our minds on something that we're going to do and we're a really determined bunch of people and the tough times like you touched on it there the community working tighter together with partners but also internally like with the team and and kind of keeping the energy going and that's really what we want to do we've got in the pipeline a really big project which is connected to our whole seasonal campaign which is called the clubhouse so our, our seasonal collection for fall 24 is called clubhouse and that feeds into a much wider concept for the brand we've started our own you know our own um, membership corporation which is also called clubhouse and by the end of 24 we, we want to open up or we are opening up a flagship store in Seoul with our partners out there and that is the title of the store is the clubhouse and this is going to be it's an ambitious project. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a five-story retail store with private members' rooms and also a restaurant on the top floor, but all kind of encapsulating the, the Jay Lindeberg spirit, really combining this sport and fashion idea. Our next step really is to create this this lifestyle around Jay Lindeberg and, and focus on the, on the customer and be really sort of customer-centric from that point of view. Uh, and the clubhouse in Seoul is going to be something of a a kind of new concept, really, for particularly for a fashion sports brand, where we're combining retail with a members' experience and a restaurant experience that's all kind of deep digging sort of into our heritage as a brand. So we're dialing up our Scandinavian heritage over there. We're really putting the mark down in terms of our storytelling, telling about how the brand is, was conceived back in 1996, and really sort of showcasing our creativity in terms of collaborations and putting down a, a, a customization department in the basement where you can customize your your sneakers or your polos or everything like that. So it's really like, yeah, for us, I think it's it's of course it's really tough times out there and it's a lot to to cope with economically and socially and everything but we want to stay the course and really kind of kind of power through this and and still maintain the the energy and the and and our sort of progressiveness. That sounds really exciting and actually physical retail is something that we have been talking about at Monocle and it seems like there's a real investment going into shops and, and boutiques that have really interesting concepts like the clubhouse. Tell us why is it so important to, to make those investments and to open the shop in Seoul? I think you have some bigger retail plans as well. How is the retail market evolving and what is it that is so important important about going back into the physical boutiques for customers yeah i think it's it's really about experience now i mean we're seeing it a little bit in europe with companies like flannels opening up sort of experience stores in terms of they have you know restaurants or hairdressers in there we've seen that a little bit over the years in european markets but i think in the Asian markets, they're, they're much more further down the line with this and there's such a big focus on retail and for me traveling and going to Korea, South Korea, you see this is where it's happening. So 
they are treating their customers and the and the experience with the utmost importance and delivering something which is unexpected and and different. And I think like like Sophie says, actually, you, you've got to show something different now. Going against the grain is like is that's what's giving the attention. And I think that the retail space, you've got the opportunity to really kind of experiment and make it interesting and get people's attention. And it's not that you take your eye off your online because that's equally important. You've got to be equally good at everything. But in terms of being able to tell the story and in terms of being able to get the emotional connection with people, there's there's nothing like a, a retail, an inspiring retail space that's going to, you know, ignite the imagination and because we have this sports and fashion connection this idea of community is really at the cornerstone of this project as well we'll be having like you know connecting athletes with the store so you can do training sessions we'll be doing like running clubs from the store itself you know we'll have activities and keynote speeches within the store for club members and for for general public so the idea of community is something that's really kind of big in uh, the Asian markets, in Seoul particularly, and treating like the your customers, your VIP customers over in Korea, it's kind of a, a given that your high-level boutiques have like VIP areas. And there's also tiering systems in terms of how much loyalty you have to the brand as to how kind of how the experience is as well. So we're learning a lot from that side. And for me, it's, it is, like I said, it's always a balance. You have to be absolutely outstanding at everything. But I think your, your retail store, if you do it right, is a, is a place where you can shine. You've also mentioned that you are rethinking your branding and you're elevating the product and the collections to a slightly higher price point. Tell me a little bit more about that and how you've been getting there. Yeah, it's a long process, that's for certain. And we have to do it step by step. We don't want to lose our old customer. So we have to maintain that part while also attracting new customers to the brand where we are able to elevate. But one big thing that we are doing over 24 is rebranding our, our identity. And I think that's a great way to sort of to refresh and for people to take a second look at the brand. And it gives us an opportunity to to layer in an aesthetic which can look more luxurious. We're, we're going to spend a lot of time and effort and it doesn't necessarily cost a lot, but it's more working on the innovation of our packaging and our products and working with sustainable materials and kind of trying to get something which is unexpected. Again, the experience of unboxing a, an econ package or the experience of having, you know, a customized package for your for your pickup in the store. So these kind of things we are working on, which don't necessarily cost a lot, but they mean a lot and it and it puts us in a slightly higher perception as a as a brand. But as far as the materials and the fabrics are concerned as well, we we do on the fashion side, we do 80% of our production in in Europe. And I think it's also about being able to tell those stories as well, the great mills and fabrics and things that we're working with. So bringing that a little bit more out than we have done in the past is going to also help to elevate our price points and also our kind of awareness. And it sounds like it's all going to be coming together with the event that you have planned with SIF and at Copenhagen Fashion Week. Can you give us any clues as to what is coming and what you've been plotting with Sophie? Yeah, I think it's going to be, I mean, I'm so, I'm actually so excited, a bit nervous as well, because <laughs> obviously it's good to have stress and kind of excitement in equal measure when it comes to these things. But we are going to create essentially a, a nightclub 
in a fashion show setting. So we've picked an amazing venue close to the center of Copenhagen, and we want to kind of bring energy and excitement and a little bit of nostalgia to the show and really kind of not be too pessimistic about what we're faced with, but try and work on our optimistic side to bring some a bit of relief and enjoyment to the scenario. That sounds incredible. And we are going to be there at CIV doing interviews during the day, but we would love to come and party with you afterwards. So thank you so much for joining us and look forward to seeing the show. Moving back to the world of retail, we're very happy to have Chris Fisher, senior buyers at Browns, joining us as well, who is one of the buyers that is always attending CIF. Uh, Chris, welcome. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for joining. And all my years of covering Copenhagen Fashion Week, I think Browns has always been one of the retailers that has had the strongest presence. So it would be great to hear from you. Why is it so important that you go to Copenhagen every season, that you visit SIF and work with the brands that are showing in um, during the fair? Yeah, for sure. Traveling is is one of the most important things for us as a buying team and, and one of the most important things for us as brands, you know, having the diversity and the kind of full picture perspective that we have and trying to leave no stone unturned. It's really important that we intend virtually every single fashion week that's that's available to us in a global perspective. Copenhagen, as you mentioned there, SIF and Copenhagen have been very, very strong and very important to us on both men's and women's wear for, for a number of years. Honestly, we think that the output is amazing. We think that it has, has a huge amount of relevance in the market. Talking from a menswear perspective, there's obviously been a huge amount of new talent which has come through there. There's been a lot of support from SIF itself with the fashion week as well. We see that as a as a you know a continuing trend for us in these times. We need to be working harder as buyers to kind of find new emerging talent to really back that. It's something that's really strong with Browns over over many many years, and something we want to continue to kind of support and grow to being the new norm, I guess. So, yeah, there's a lot of value and a lot of worth to traveling to cities like Copenhagen and to seeing the output from the young designers there as well as the established brands that you know we've got a couple on the podcast or you've had a few on the series so yeah very very relevant and very important for us. And looking at this upcoming fall winter 24 season in particular is there any specific category or types of brands that you are going to have your eye on and looking out for when you're going through the halls of SIF when you're attending shows? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for us, it's one of our kind of hotbeds of emerging talent. It's something which has been really part of the Browns focus for since its inception, you know, many, many years ago now and something that we've really invigorated again with Browns focus relaunching in 2021. So I think it's really important for us to to, to kind of look at the emerging and new talent. Our strategy is always moving. It's always shifting from season to season. And I think it's really important that a retailer like Browns remains fluid in this space. And obviously we cover a huge cross-section of price points, a cross-section of brands, a cross-section of agendas and looks and feels of products essentially as well and different categories. So I would say at this point, we're looking to be very open-minded and see see what you have to offer us essentially <laughs> and see what's in the marketplace. Uh, no pressure. But yeah, fundamentally, you know, our strategy is is about elevating a little bit more. It's about looking at that emerging area. So I would say that, you know, the new talent is really something we'll be looking to kind of see what the best of the best is that Copenhagen wants to provide us with this time around. 
And like you mentioned, you travel all around the world to visit fashion weeks and, and different fairs. But what is it about Copenhagen in particular and the Scandinavian approach to fashion that has become so important on the fashion calendar and uh, so appealing to customers as well? I think it's it's a consistency of the output, really, for me personally. I think that you know every every time we visit which is ideally twice a year sometimes we only manage to make it once a year you know we see a consistent evolution of of the support from the fashion council and from partners like sif for example and in nurturing and supporting in tougher times and also in you know the more positive times and i think that seeing newcomers every single time there's there's more and more brands which are showing off schedule there now as well there's much more kind of there's much more of a buzz around it as a perhaps a slight underdog in terms of, you know, the bigger names in terms of fashion weeks. And I think that really helps to give that kind of sort of breeding ground, if you like, to newer talent, whereas some of the other fashion weeks might be a little bit more competitive in terms of, you know, some really big, well-established names that are there. And I think that's what makes it exciting for us. You know, not everybody is visiting, not everybody is interested. And, you know, we're interested because I think it has its unique standpoint and point of view. And I think that that is its strength, you know. I don't think it needs to be competing with Paris or Milan or trying to bring in big names to kind of make it more interesting to the press, perhaps. But I think I think its uniqueness is its its point of view is is its is strength really. And I'd love to hear a little bit about how you use the SIF platform in particular when you go to Copenhagen to seek out new brands and new talent. You visit trade fairs around the world, and I think the trade fair model is very, uh, it's changing and it's fast evolving. For you as a buyer, what are you looking for when you're attending these fairs? And what makes SIF an interesting platform? I think... For me personally, I think the size of it, although although it's something you won't hear from buyers, generally speaking, the size of a trade fair is always a little bit, <laughs> so it can be a bit daunting if you expect to try and get around everything. I quite like the fact that there's a lot of variety and there's a lot of different levels there and you can go out and see homeware, you can go and see, you know, men's and women's at the same time. Generally speaking, when we visit cities, it will be a men's wear specific week or a women's wear specific week. There's not so much crossover, but I quite enjoy that all under one roof kind of mentality even where the location of where the show is it feels very much like you're you're in the world of sif essentially which you know first few times it can be a little bit daunting but i think if you build the partnerships and relationships with the you know your amazing team that's there to kind of help you and, and navigate you to things that they might have seen that you might have might always you know might not have seen on your own as well and then just spending enough time to kind of scour through the halls and go and see the most relevant parts i think the curation of the show helps you out a lot with that because there will be areas that you won't have the time to go and see but there are always you know always many many people there that are willing to help and show you the right direction they think you might be interested and uh, yeah everyone feels very proud to be part of the community of the show as well so it has a different vibe i would say to perhaps a paris trade show or a milan trade show not that there's that many of them anymore or a larger showroom sort of space where perhaps you've got one or two hours and you're allotted and you you know you come and you see the brands that you're interested in and not very much else so yeah it's probably the one that bucks the trend in terms of trade fairs and engaging your interest because i feels like you're within the world of it when you're arriving Sophie earlier also spoke about the challenges and that this year brands are having a hard time, especially independent ones, given the, the, the bigger economic challenges. From your perspective as a buyer, what would you say brands should be doing more of and how can they overcome the challenges? 
It's a good question. It's not a, you know, it's a case for case. It's not one size fits all kind of plan for most of them, I would have thought. I think, I think realistic thinking and honesty and reviewing what they are doing in their operation is probably the first point of call, you know, for, for, for many, many brands that we've worked with, there'll always be some that will survive. There will always be some which will struggle a little bit more. And from the very sort of rudimentary and boring aspects of logistics and, you know, supply chain, all those kinds of things, although they're not the things we like to think about as buyers necessarily, they are quite the metrics that we get led by in these kind of times, because it's more and more important that we have, you know, supply of the products at the right times. And, you know, we have the right pricing, for example, and, you know, the right kind of coverage. Outside of that, I think, you know, it's a moving target in terms of trends, regardless of how the times are at the moment as well. You know, it's very well documented. It's it's a struggle at the moment. And the guys have talked about this as well. It's it's not going to be an easy year to 18 months now. So the brands that really kind of drill into what that means to them, how their distribution looks, who they're going to partner with as a key partner and how they want to amplify that on a wholesale perspective is going to be all the more important to us as buyers for multi-brand retailers. Obviously, you know, we, we get to work with and access some really, really good brands. So the best of the best is what we're going to be shouting about. So that's the challenge really for the brands, I think, you know, work harder, do more interesting things. It's a challenge at the moment. Like I said, trends are not clear cut, shall we say, especially on menswear is a lot of transition. There's a lot of moving parts. But as I think you touched on earlier as well, that, you know, out of these times, it always is some kind of spark of interest and spark of newness that will arrive so i think it's about being aware and making sure as buyers we're ready for that when that comes and we're we're ready to kind of support that as it comes as well yeah and given the current landscape i think the relationship between brands and retailers is also changing and evolving how would you say retailers need to be rethinking that relationship and supporting the brands and on the other side how should brands be kind of approaching building a relationship with a boutique like browns yeah i think it is about just having that kind of newness aspect it's something that we've always supported in a in a really strong way you know we we've had some surprises over the last year and I think there'll be more surprises to come in terms of who is performing who traditionally performs what the normal pattern looks like and how that's going to look going forward but I can guarantee you that the most exciting interesting innovative stories and products will always be the things that we invest in because it's so important to our core values as a retailer and it's so important to the industry that we can kind of support that as well so you know it's interesting to talk about core products that I think Sophie were talking about earlier with some of the brands and that's something for us where we see we see the value to it, but it's something that we need to kind of push the envelope with as well. Obviously, it's easy to buy lots of core product, but we need to be innovating and kind of, you know, supporting how that next chapter looks and how we get there. It would be very easy just to take the slightly more conservative option and only invest in those areas. But I think it's really important that we have stories to talk about. We have interest and we have uh, value, which you can add to the brand identities as well. So like I said, it's a huge challenge for the for the retailers and for the brands, you know, because in these times, finding investment for those areas or even investing in the resources that you have to talk about those areas is going to be a real challenge. So we, you know, we have our work cut out with our with our amazing team that wants to really kind of get the best out of the situation. And we're working closer and closer with partners to see how that looks. We've got an amazing store which I'm sat in now in Brook Street, which we we have a huge amount of facilities here and and a great private client list. So we, you know, we're working a lot, lot harder in a direct partnership way with a lot of brands going forward as well. 
That's really promising to hear that despite everything, you are still taking those risks and investing in creativity and independent brands. And just to end, you mentioned that finding emerging talent and and new names is going to be very much your focus for fall 2024. Any other things that you're looking forward to or predictions for the season ahead of your trip to Copenhagen? Nothing we haven't really covered already, I don't think. I think, you know, the new talent area is the thing that will excite us the most. But obviously, we have a lot of brands that we already work with that are in the region. We probably will maybe already placed our orders by that point, but we'll obviously be doing lots of kind of follow-up conversations in terms of how we can activate the ranges as well. I think, you know, it's really about seeing where those emerging trends are coming from as well. As I said before, it's a very flat landscape, especially on menswear currently, where, you know, everything is quite conservative and there's not really too much of a steer on where things are going. So we're hopeful that by the point of us arriving, there'll be lots of interest in the collections to kind of steer us, you know, in our thought processes for the coming seasons. Amazing. I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you so much. My thanks to Copenhagen International Fashion Fair director, Sophie Dolver, and to Jay Lindbergh's Neil Luty and Chris Fisher from Browns. To find out more about 2024's Copenhagen International Fashion Fair, head to ciff.dk. And stay tuned for the next edition of this special partnership live from the event. And that's all for this special episode of Monocle on Design. For more design stories, stay tuned at monocle.com or wherever you get your podcasts. My thanks to Natalie Theodosi and David Stevens for their work on today's show. I'm Nick Manise. Goodbye and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.